One witch is powerful. A coven of witches is unstoppable. Want to go deeper in your craft with the support of your basic witches? Then join our coven on Patreon. We have three tantalizing tiers with ad-free episodes, shout-outs on the pod, monthly card pulls, and girl talk, where you get to connect with us one-on-two. So, are you a basic witch, boss witch, or our best witch? We can't wait to see you in the coven. Hexo, hexo. Basic witches. I mean, we're witches, <laughs> basically. Hey, witch, it's Rach. You've really gotten to know me and I want to get to know you. Enroll in my virtual self-love course, learn to fucking love yourself, and we'll connect one-on-one in your complimentary coaching call. Learn to Fly is a crash course that'll heal your entire internal world. It covers inner child work, cord cutting out the bullshit from your life, Marie condoing your mind, and tactical exercises that will teach you how to enjoy being you. Read the stellar reviews and enroll at rachellaforest.com slash learn to fly. Let's get high on self-love, baby. Hey, witches, Leah here. You know my all-time favorite thing to talk about is manifestations, synchronicities, and going for the goals. So if you're ready to put your feminine energy in the front seat and whoa, manifest some sh**. Wait, are you really going to bleep out sh**? I can't say sh**. This is my commercial. Anyway, what are you waiting for? It's can or never. Join my four-week manifestation course, buy my deck, art, and more by going to www.leahkanauer.com. L-E-A-H-K-N-A-U-E-R.com. Welcome into Storytime, witches. You're listening to Basic Witches. I'm Rachel LaForest. I'm Leah Knauer, and it is not basic today. We get deep and dark and sexy, talking about so much. Entities, she's a shamanatrix. We're with pro-witch Kristen Von Fox. Yes, also a soul retrieval specialist. So we get her take on the upside down world. And we even had a glitch where maybe my feed went to the upside down world. (laughs) It's a wild ride. Sure is. Like life. Um, Yes. You know what other show kind of takes you on wild rides? Is it higher sex? Yes. Another soul fire show that we got to tell you about, you guys. Kelly McDonald Arnold is a certified sexologist. Okay, so you're going to get a taste of sex in this episode. And then after, go over and check out Higher Sex to hear about sexual dysfunction, sex across the lifespan, um, desire discrepancy, erotic preferences, non-monogamy, and tons of hot, high ideas. I mean, you name it, she talks about it. And her show is very playful and fun and very smart. So we already know you witches are going to love it. But don't tune over there yet because holy shit, we talk 
for a long time and I still feel like there's so much juice that we haven't gotten to um, but if you want to connect with us and feel those juicy moments then come into our Patreon coven where you can get monthly card polls and access VIP to our virtual moon circles <laughs> which are so fun and healing and you get to connect with witches all over the world it's so cool you guys and if you get in there at the right tier you get to watch this episode before the world hears it that's right ad free video episodes you can see our jaws dropping almost the whole episode yes <laughs> you get to be in the zoom where it happens yes <laughs> Always wanted to say that. So check that out. You know, you can get there from the link in our Instagram bio at Basic Witches. And if you would be so kind and earn that good karma as to leave us mm. a five-star iTunes review, we would really appreciate it. And you know, I did hear that karma is a witch. Ooh, I heard that too. Maybe from a little lady known as Kristen Von Fox. Enjoy. Um, Kristen, I'm so excited to talk to you, even just at Shamanatrix. Like, can you break that down for us? What is that? Yeah, so my my roommate a couple years gave me that term and it just fit and I just embraced it. So it, it kind of goes into my origin story a little bit. And so I'll dig a little deep here, but I, I went to school to be a, become a creative arts therapist and to study psychotherapy and was Ooh. super into helping people. I've always been that person that everyone comes to and people tell all their secrets to. And I went through a quarter life crisis where I was married to a total sociopath I had known for eight years. We were pen pals. We met on a family vacation in Colonial West Virginia when we were kids. And I just, I couldn't help it. It was like, that boy is going to be mine. And, and we ended up staying in touch for years. And turns out all the things he was telling me for a number of years, none of those things are true. But we reconnected right as I was graduating, I guess a couple, like six six months before I graduated with my master's degree in creative arts therapies. And he wanted to come visit me and he came to New York and he had such a great time. And then at the end he was like, I don't want this to end. Will you marry me? And I'm like, that's crazy. No. And then we kept that keeping in touch. was the first time meeting in person since. No, no, no. no we okay. had met when we were 17 and on a family vacation, but it had been, it had been but eight since years. Then. Okay. Yeah. So we ended up, staying in touch long distance I couldn't help myself I'm such a lover I couldn't turn off my heart and and you know how the universe will call certain people to you because you have karma to work out mm, with them yeah. right so it was one of those situations and I called him into my life and we ended up getting married and as soon as we got married he emptied my bank account and upon emptying it, he fled the country. So during the time I had just graduated, right? This is my origin story. I love it. It's like super Phoenixy. I know all this yeah, Scorpio yeah, yeah. energy. Rachel, <laughs> yeah. you love this. Yeah. yeah. Um, so essentially what ended up happening was I was looking for a job in creative arts therapies to get my licensure. And all of the nannies that I was working with, because I was also working three jobs as a nanny, and all my nanny friends were like, hey, you're really going through it. We're watching you unravel. Maybe you shouldn't mm -hmm. do this in front of kids. Maybe you should do something else. And one of them pulled me aside and was like, I don't want to offend you, but have you ever thought about becoming a professional dominatrix? And I was just like, <laughs> my dream. Huh. 
Yeah, right. Someone to ask me that. (laughs) Right. Well, someone did. I wasn't even thinking about until this moment. And I was just in such a point in my life where I had lost everything. I mean, I lost my husband. I lost family. I lost friends and I lost my home. And I was in like a pretty shitty situation. And this nanny was like, I have a friend who did it. And she loved it. And the other nanny was like, oh, I have a friend who did that too. And she got herself out of a bad relationship, made some cash. You would be perfect. And at that point I was like, you know, I've got nothing to lose. Why the heck not? So of course I go into the dungeon with my resume and be like, I've worked with those with chemical addictions in the outpatient unit at Bellevue Hospital. And, uh, you know, <laughs> here's all my field work. Next to Bellevue in the oh, hundred college you? dorms. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well that's, and did you ever notice that there were so many crazy people oh, just yeah. like wandering the streets yeah. around there? Oh yeah. One of my like craziest New York memories. Yeah. <laughs> Bellevue. It's like, oh, I remember getting off the train for my internship one day and like watching a woman just like poop in the street. <laughs> yeah. For, for right outside of Bellevue. <laughs> like are not New Yorkers. It's a famous psychiatric hospital. It's a whole hospital, but known for the psychiatric care. And like the building I lived in next to it was where the nurses used to live historically, like mm-hmm. in the 20s. Oh, that's so kind of cool. Right next to it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're like right in that hot spot of the crazy, crazy town. Crazy, crazy shit. Yeah. Crazy town, USA. Oh, man. Yeah. So, of course, like I had all this experience. And I'm like, hey, you know, you should let me be a dom. The woman just threw it on the floor. She's like, what's your dom name? And my mouth just opened. I said, karma. <gasps> It was oh, just, I'm karma. Karma's a, karma's a bitch. Karma's yeah, a she's going to beat you. I love it. <laughs> but karma's going to learn how to take her power back too. Yeah, she you. is. Karma's right? a witch. Karma's a witch. <laughs> Shh, that's the secret. Yeah. So anyway, it was, it was in the BDSM dungeon that I had this awakening. I didn't realize it was really like a shamanic initiation into doing healing work and shadow work, but it just so happened that I ended up becoming one of the top earners pretty quickly. And I would, I would ask the clients, why do you pick me? And they always would say like, well, I can tell you don't actually want to hurt me and you care about me. And I was so empathic. I was tuning in to what they were needing and feeling. And of course that psychotherapist inside of me that can never die. I'm always asking them like, what is this really about? Like, why do you want me to walk in these shoes back and forth while you cry and, and drink your alcohol out of like a brown paper bag during the session to have people just break down crying and tell me their life story. And it was so profound because people just wanted to open up in that space. But it was also in the dungeon that I started having ghost experiences, started seeing full body apparitions, and they started to see the moment when my clients would dissociate <gasps> and entities would come and act through them. Whoa. And of course, at BDSM Dungeon, like these entities want you to beat the shit out of them. And that's not yeah. Charlie who you're working with, right? It's like, I would go into the meet with a person and we'd get along and there'd be like this really great jive of energy. I mean, it's, it's, sex, it's sexy improv, right? It's like, mm-hmm. oh, you want me to be a school teacher? I'm going to go and get, you know, writing crop and X, Y, Z things and come back. And I would come back and I would see that the person had disconnected. They were no longer in their body. Their eyes would turn black. And I would be having a session with this person's entities that were feeding off of the wounds that they were coming to play out. And so uh-huh, uh-huh. I had this like crazy third eye crown pff, sh- mm. chakra blow up. And once that started to happen, I started having spirits talk to me and be like, 
get out of the dungeon. Like you need to get out. And it was funny because I was getting messages because the place was hot. Like they were under inspection with the police at the time. There were some shady things happening Mm -hmm. there. And it was like a warning sign to get out. And it was like, once I did, I was also volunteering at a holistic healing center. And I just kept hearing all of these things about shamanism. And I was just drawn in. And the moment I went to do my first shamanic journey, I was visited by my ancestors who were like, quit your job. Like, this is what you're doing now. And I've just kind of been like living by magic ever since, but my path from 10 years ago when I was working in the commercial BDSM dungeon to now has been seeing where all of my clients in creative arts therapies and talk therapy, all of my health coaching clients, because I was a health coach for a little while after this, and in the dungeon, we're all just coming back to these times where they had dissociated and disconnected and lost pieces of their power, right? It's like in therapy, there's always like Mm -hmm. that one story that you're always bringing up because that's the origin of Mm -hmm. where there was a trauma and part of your energy dissociated or disconnected. And Mm -hmm. it was through the lens of shamanism, I began to learn about soul retrieval, which is the practice that I do now, uh, that all of my clients were just like dancing around the same story. It doesn't matter if they're making art about it, if they're dancing or talking about it, or, you know, like doing BDSM role play about it. Mm -hmm. There was always like an original wound. And so I spent the last decade studying shamanism, learning how to actually retrieve the piece of power that left during that original traumatic experience that all of my clients were coming to tell me about or show me about. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I'm sure this is for you too. It's like you, we want to help people and seeing people stuck Mm -hmm. in their own merry-go-round of trauma. It's like, am I just perpetuating this or can I help them break free? So now Mm -hmm. I've zeroed in on Now I'm a specialist to see like where the piece of power is missing, what things have gotten Mm. into there because when we're wounded, it's like, it's like a big hot sign, like a neon sign for other things to come in, Mm. other cycles of trauma. We can pick up entities and things that we just don't need or things that have been passed down to us and layers of junk that we've also accumulated in that wound. So now, now my work is to bring it to a higher vibration to do these role plays with people, see where the wound is and actually go and use shamanism to bring back the pieces of their power through a practice called soul retrieval. Wow. Wow. So the shamanatrix. (laughs) The shamanatrix. So fucking cool. too good. I mean, like the fact that your awakening happened in a dungeon couldn't be more Scorpio. So are you also a Scorpio? Mm -hmm. I am not. I'm a double Libra, sun and moon, and then I'm a cancer rising, which just makes me ooey and gooey. Oh, but they're emotional. They're muscle. Oh, I got a hot spot, girl. I got a hot spot stellium mm. in Scorpio. So I have, and they're all conjunct. So okay. I have my South Node there. I have Juno, which is like the ideal partner. Um, of course, I like to go deep with the people I love. Mm-hmm. Um, Pluto is there, and so is Mercury, and it's the it's in the fourth house in Scorpio. Obviously, opposite mm. my North Node, which is with Uranus, which is like helping me to take the wounds of the deepest part of someone's chart, including my own, my own Mm -hmm. initiations, um, to bring it up and into the light. So so I'm really good at talking about transformation and going to like the deep, dark places. It's like the best place to go. That's so freaking cool. I feel like 
I have to share this story that I've never shared publicly, but I yes. did tr- audition to work as a dominatrix here in LA at like a commercial place, like in a, you know, it was legal. Um, I think it would have been good money, but it was, it was tough because you had to start as a sub. Their rules were like, you could not just come in and, and I get that. Cause I'm sure it's so much to learn. But after like the testing to see how much pain I could take, I just didn't do that well. So I was like, That's damn, so I don't think I could do two years as a sub to get to be mm. auditions in two years. <laughs> I had to start as a sub, but I had like one session. Oh, <laughs> damn. One session that- subbing for someone really safe. Yeah. yeah. That's so it- LA to make it like elite. Right. Yeah. You have to audition and have two years <laughs> yes. apprenticeship as a submissive. <laughs> exactly. You little bitch. Wow. I, so I want to know, did you get your money back? Like what happened with this shitty guy? Did he get oh, his karma? The ex-husband? You know, I think he did in his own weird way. And there were so many years of like praying for a resolution. And he, he went back to Scotland, which is where he was from. Okay. Oh my God. He was so hot. He had the accent, everything. I mean, oh. you know, and, and it turns out he is um, a repeat offender of the similar things he had done to me. So I, I ended up writing a book as soon as I left the dungeon and I was like getting all these messages, my guides were like, sit the fuck down and write your story. You have to write it now while it's really fresh. Oh. And so I channeled it. I just went through, I mean, it was my experiences, but it was like spirit speaking through me. And in that I, I had, I don't even remember how it happened, but yeah, I had written like one version of it. It wasn't fully done. A friend wanted me to get on a panel, uh, uh, a lecture about sex and super consciousness. Mm. And I ended up pushing the book out early. And then because it, it had like a sort of like a soft launch, I don't know who we still had in common on Facebook, but someone from Scotland found the book <sighs> and told people about it. And then uh-huh. this is the best part. There was a woman who my ex-husband was seeing, one of the many, at the same time. <laughs> I found out. I know all the stories because people told me about them. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. this woman found my book in my ex-husband's apartment that she was living there with him. She had moved from Australia to go live with him. Meanwhile, he's living with another woman. And as soon as the other girl from Australia comes, he just leaves with no, no word, like no no goodbyes, no reasons, just disappears. It's the same thing he did to me. Mm-hmm. And so this woman from Australia finds my book and reads it. And they put my email in the back because I'm a shamanic practitioner. Yeah. I'm like, want to help people get their soul back from yeah. trauma like this. And she reaches out and she's like, hey, are you still married to, to this person? And I said, yes. She's like, well, can you get a divorce? And I was like, I've been trying to, but he won't respond. She's like, send me the papers and I will make sure. So she took him to Edinburgh to two hour train ride. Cause he wouldn't do it himself. He just left me and the lawyer high and dry. And there was nothing I could do except get a private investigator, which would have cost so much money. Oh and it was just like, not a thing I was going to do, but this woman found it. And I, you know, I just, Part of me wanted to warn her and I'm like, also, if you read this much to the book, you already know. And then she wrote to me a couple months later, he did everything he did to me, he did to you. And then she was so pissed about it. So Mm -hmm. she blasts this book through the the community of people she now knows in Scotland. And I have five women reach out to me and say, is this this person who it was? And they tell me their stories. I have chills. They're Mm -hmm. eerily similar. Repeat offender. Murph, was it? 
Okay. Do you know about Man and Matthews? Do you know who that is? No. She's she was a Vine star, and this very thing happened to her. Um, she married an impulsive liar, and he was also from Scotland. So I was like, oh. whoa! Oh, if that, also him, that would be crazy. You should read her book though, because it sounds like similar. Oh, and and you know, it very well could be because, like I said, five women reached out and told me their stories. It's never just (sighs) one. It's never just Mm -hmm. one with predators like that. They learn they can get away with it and then they keep doing it. Well, until hmm. a witch comes in and stops them. Yeah. And you know, I believe he has his own karma. I think when I was doing my first initial, like, awaken your intuition classes at the volunteer place I was at. Like I had to bring in his picture for someone to read psychically. Mm. And the person was like, his heart is black. He's going to have a heart attack in his like forties or fifties because he keeps like hurting people. She just kept seeing like he has cancer growing Mm. in his heart. And I was Mm. like, all right, the universe has got this. I prayed for that divorce and the divorce came through and it was just magic. I mean, oh, Mm. that so reminds me of the Christina Perry song, Jar of Hearts where he's like, the music video is so cool. You should all look it up. Um, it's like really dancey and he's sounds just like this guy and he's getting these hearts of these women, but his is getting blacker because he's evil. Mm. Like, uh, yeah. What I'm imagery. S- yeah. I'm so glad you got out of that and that your name was Karma in the dungeon is so poetic. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. And I didn't understand it until later. I was like, oh, this is, this is why I was Karma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you notice like a common string of people's like causes of trauma? What brought them to the dungeon? Did you notice a pattern? The pattern was always a trauma, but their own specific one. And a lot of them were sexual traumas because Mm -hmm. they didn't come on. Like, where else are you going to take this deep, dark stuff? Mm -hmm. I, I I was a therapist and like, it would take me months for anyone to divulge anything that deep and then I'm the I'm a dominatrix in the dungeon they take off their clothes they bear it all they tell me all of their deep dark secrets but I mean I've been doing this for years as a sense of like it's in my chart I've been approached by people all my life who just sit down and tell me all these things and then they always stop in the middle and they're like I don't know why I'm telling you this I've never told anyone this ever before (laughs) and you know people were doing that in the dungeon it was usually Mm. like there was one guy and I'm writing about this right now in one of the articles that I'm writing, but it's, it's about, there was one particular client who it didn't matter, like how gross I would look in like the lineup. Cause you would have like this meet and greet mm-hmm. of here's like 10, 10 women you can session with 10 humans. And every time I would go in front of him, he would pick me and he always wanted to do the sexual abuse story about his babysitter. Mm-hmm. And was like, oh shit, I have been sexually abused by my babysitters. It's like, oh. he knew it because he could feel it because I hadn't healed the wound yet. So I would just start coming, you know, I'd try to look pretty initially. And I was like, I don't want this session anymore. This is hitting really close to home. And at that point I didn't have the tools I have now to fully heal it. I just had therapy mm-hmm. that was like not fully the thing I needed because I needed my soul back. Right. Mm-hmm. So I would go into those sessions and he would always pick me and I would like not dress up. I would try to look ugly. He would always pick me. And then I, I was really, I, I like fetishized 
I'm a teacher soul. So like that became one of my fetishes yeah. of being like the head doctor, head nurse, and like bringing in my medical trainees to come and to learn. So I would bring them into the sessions and all the girls would like leave, like almost barfing in their mouths, like crying and getting upset. Cause they're like, this is really dark. And maybe they mm. only, maybe only like the people who had the really dark stuff came to me because I guess I'm the person to help them transmute yeah. it. But it was like every single time. And, and the thing mm. with these clients is like, you wouldn't just see them like once a year. And then next time they play something else, it's mm. every week, same story. Mm. Some of them oh. would have scripts and I would have to like have my nails painted a specific color mm. and I'd have to memorize the lines. And it was always too something that happened that they were trying to relive or trying mm. to relive in a way where it was consensual. Yeah. Or a way that they somehow felt empowered or mm -hmm. it was glorified and sexy mm -hmm. so that they could integrate it. And I just got to the point where I'm like, I'm just holding space for people to let their demons come out and play. And mm -hmm. there's resolution for this. And I can't enable suffering. There's a better way. So, you know, that was when I physically left the dungeon to mm -hmm. go find find shamanism and, and find those alternative ways of, of viewing what happens to the soul when we go through really challenging experiences. It doesn't actually have to be trauma. It could be like yeah. being forgotten at the bus stop one day mm -hmm. or like forgetting your school project on the bus and like you mm -hmm. couldn't do the presentation. You know, it could be like little things like that. Yeah. Or it could be like rape. It could be um, getting hit by a car. It could be being mm -hmm. betrayed in a really deep way. I mean, trauma is a spectrum. Yeah. Well, I'm so curious when you would see their eyes go dark and like you could tell an entity was present, were you then like beating out the entity if there was BDSM involved, like, or would you see the entity leave ever? My experience was, it was like talking to the person Oh, like jolly and fun. And let me go get my stuff and come back. And like the person had already gotten into their space and I could just tell, it's like, you close the door and I'm like, why do I feel like there's a ghost in the room? Oh. Uh, and just having these moments of like, oh, this person who I really jived with, they're not even here. They have now yeah. taken the back seat and now, hi, you must be pain and suffering yeah. <laughs> or whatever that is that is living out through them. And now part of my work is I actually cross over entities. I do psychopomp work. Love it. It's like one of the Psycho best things pump? ever. Psychopomp, and it's a term for that? when you cross entities over to the afterlife because so many get stuck. <sighs> and they can be from so many different sources. I know you had Moira on a couple of weeks ago, yeah. and she's like, I, I really resonated with so much of what she says because I think mm -hmm. I work in a little bit of a similar way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, entities can be anything from a family member who hasn't crossed over. I usually do the test. It's like if there's a, if there's something. Someone coming who has crossed, not really fully crossed over, you'll experience thing, you'll experience them as being draining. Mm. They can deplete your life force. Um, channeling them can make you go into darker spaces or feel really angry or like feel emotions that aren't yours. And when they're crossed over, they come as this like totally plugged in spirit guide because they're plugged off of source. They don't have to latch onto you to feed off of energy mm. because they're disembodied. Mm -hmm. So wow. a lot of times it was the, and I didn't fully understand them at the time. And I spent a decade learning and understanding what I didn't know in the dungeon. I mean, I was like seeing full body apparitions of the guy who owned the place, like walking the hallways when no one was there. And like, mm -hmm. I went to the, um, 
I went to the woman who was running the front desk and the phones. I was like, oh, can I talk to the boss? Cause I need to change my schedule. She's like, well, he's not here yet. I was like, I just saw him on wing a, you know, while I was cleaning the room. And she was like, she just, she got so excited cause there's always ghosts hanging out in the dungeon. So she was just like, let me check the camera. She's like, see, there was no one there, no one here since this time. And you saw that this time. And then the boss comes in while I'm on my lunch break, like 25 minutes later, he's wearing a different colored shirt, but it was oh. the same person. And I found out that he used to be a slave to the mistress who owned the dungeon that she got sick with autoimmune um, disorder and then he took over the place and so of oh. course she beat the shit out of him so a soul fragment got stuck <gasps> so I started to see it as not only can we have parts of ourselves that dissociate or disconnect because of the trauma then we can have energies that come in and hang out in that space sometimes to help us to like block the wound so we don't get hurt again but they're not really our true self and they're not actually helping because what we're missing is us like our our personal power um and it was just this experience of like seeing that if i were going to perpetuate this wound this energy wants to feed off of the pain and suffering the person's light is somewhere else is taking the back seat mm -hmm. um you, you find the same thing when you see people using lots of substances or like drinking a lot like an energy comes out of them where they're like really mean or they say some things and they don't even remember because mm -hmm. when there's substances, especially like spirits, right? Drinking spirits, yep. <laughs> bring in the spirits. Um, I mean, I, I can't even go into bars anymore without so much protection because I see entities hanging out in the corners, opportunistic what? waiting to like swoom in. Only a witch. Only a witch. Because <laughs> after this, I started like going to parties and seeing like demons sitting on people's shoulders and be like, hi. And they're like, I don't know why you're making me so uncomfortable. And I was like, because I can see the thing on your shoulder. Yeah. And they need, like, I don't know. I don't usually have this response. They need like, a Yelp. I just wanted to know your hobbies. <laughs> what? They need a Yelp for witches. That's like, how many ghosts are here? Like oh four, four ghosts. Don't <laughs> don't frequent too many entities. Grandmother, she's good. She's crossed over. That one's not. He comes from an al alcoholism in the family, right? It's like, oh yeah, do you God. tell them when you really see it in a bar? Um, or no, or you're like, I'm just trying to have a you good know, time. <laughs> you know, I just, I think I haven't been brought in, Like I, I got to a point where like my body couldn't handle alcohol anymore. And I don't know if you're on this path. And I know you both have talked about having like mystery illnesses yeah. and mm -hmm. all sorts of things happen. And I had autoimmune mm -hmm. issues as well. And like mm -hmm. mystery illnesses as well. And mm -hmm. I, I, from what my guides tell me, cause I'm like, why are you doing this to me? Like, why? why I have celiacs? Why do I have Hashimoto's or all these different things? And my guides are like, cause you need to eat really clean and stop putting mm -hmm. junk in your body. So your channel can be as clear as possible so that spirit can come through in a good way. Yeah. Makes sense. My mystery yeah. illness was never resolved, but I have stopped drinking and I have made a focus to like nourish my body with better things and it went away. I feel better. It's so crazy. It was crazy. Um, Isn't it? It's like autoimmune yeah. is just like the body attacking itself because it's yes. upset. And you feel helpless because you're like, I want to help my body, but apparently I don't. So like now I need to assess. I don't. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. Um, the way you describe the them stepping into their like with the black eyes, it sounds like an actor stepping into the role of like their past right 
Well, it's funny. I've been I've been working with a friend of mine who's trying to turn my story into a streaming series, like a TV mm-hmm. series. And that's a lot of what we've been talking about. And he's like, oh, man, if an actor had a list of your symptoms of soul loss, because I, I have a list of symptoms of soul loss because I've seen them all. And now you know, I'm very clear and the, the eyes are such an indicator, not if they necessarily go black, but you can see someone will be so excited about something and then they'll have this moment where you bring up their breakup and then you see their energy just die inside. And then you bring up something that they're excited about and their energy comes back. It's because that piece of their soul that was connected to the breakup is not in their body, right? It's Mm -hmm. like, and then we know that's the piece that's missing we have to go get. So can it be assumed that we all have like little fragments of ourselves floating around in different rooms all the time? From my experience, yes. I haven't met anyone who didn't get a soul (sighs) part come back or like a million. And usually from times when people didn't expect it Mm -hmm. or didn't, you know, think about it. Because we we go through life and we're like, oh, I was a kid. That was a big deal to me when I was a kid. And now I'm an adult and I can put it into perspective. But it's almost like we're we're like diminishing the experiences that we had when we were receiving them and invalidating them because it's like everything that happens has an impact on us, no matter how old we are, no matter how many resources we have. But so many are in childhood, we don't even, we don't even think about them because it's before we had memories formed. And one of the other symptoms of soul loss is your memories go. So if you have a period of time where you're like, you know, I just, I don't know why I don't have seven to eight. Well, maybe your parents Mm -hmm. went through like really tumultuous times and fought, or maybe you moved a lot, or maybe like something happened that you haven't. I don't memorize, I don't have a memory of a lot of my childhood. And even in high school, my friends knew that it was like a running joke that like, oh, like Leah doesn't remember, but it's like, no, I truly, I don't remember a lot of my, I also drank a lot, but that is related to, you know, I was Mm -hmm. literally trying to get out of my body, black out, disassociate from reality. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I know this now and that I yeah. made it to this place because I literally should have, could have died. And I feel like there's lessons of having to go through those experiences and like not want to be in your body and not mm-hmm. want to go through life to come back to reclaim it. Yeah. Like I just oh, see that totally. for you of like, like it's a rebirth that you had to go that direction to come back, to be fierce and to, to take it back mm-hmm. for yourself, take back your power. Okay, this is crazy, you guys, because I went on a like journey today to go find Reese's Puff cereal because <laughs> I wanted to give my inner child like something that she loved that Wait, felt really good. Yeah, it's like National Cereal Day. It was trending on Twitter. What? what? You know, I'm not online. I know. I didn't know that. <laughs> That's crazy. Your inner child knows That's everything. <laughs> That's crazy. Okay, so at the little deli where we found the Reese's Puffs they had an it's a a Hispanic neighborhood so they have like amazing Santa Maria candles and stuff um or what's the word I'm thinking of Santeria um and I got the death candle Santa Muerte holy death Mm. in rainbow for my queerness um but because I was like wait I want to distance from these parts of me that have died and like honor them because I've died so many deaths and descansos is another like Hispanic practice of honoring grave sites. And like, you can do it to your own timeline of all your own deaths. And that's just crazy that this comes up. And I'm like, I just bought this candle. And well, I just bought puffs? two of those candles. <laughs> I just bought two of those death candles a couple of weeks ago that do this like really crazy karmic lineage curse breaking for like 
a lot. Yeah. Uh, and I've been working a lot with the spirit guide of death. And can I tell you like death's secret? Yes. <laughs> yes. Can I tell the secret? Death's yes, like, please. yes. Death seems scary because he's going to clear house. And then he pulls back his hood and he's a baby face because he's being getting ready to be reborn. So it's death is birth. It's, it's a continuous cycle. So death was always like, let me show you who I really am. I feel so scary. And he took off his hood and he, and we joke around because I work with death like all the time now, especially since that ceremony a couple weekends ago. He's just like, I'm a baby face. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I'm rebirth. That's hilarious. Wow. Is that or at creepy? least that's what he shared with me. Yeah. He to share with you. <laughs> well, I mean, I, f- I find it kind of comforting. Like my, my partner and I focused a lot on death and like we do death dates. Leah knows we went to a cemetery yesterday. Like we just are trying to like connect and focus on death. And we were talking about how like non-existence those are the words he would use because he's an eight. Uh, he's not an atheist, but he's like you know, I don't know, not super spiritual. Um, non-existence or non-human time is like way longer than human time. So mm-hmm. being born and dying are both like you. You re. You must re-enter the sameness, like non-existenceness or Mm -hmm. soulness or whatever you believe in it's like the same before and after your time here right so you're 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 going back to where is actually more time spent Mm. like this is short I don't know does that make sense oh oh it totally makes sense okay it was comforting because it's like Mm -hmm. oh actually some part of me knows that way better than all this confusing shit that's going on here like that's more familiar because that's how it's going to be more infinite for me in my experience, it'll be non-existing is more infinite. Mm-hmm. I don't know how people don't think about death. Like the people who are just cogs in the machine and just go to their work and they think that life is about paying a mortgage and, you know, being a good neighbor. But it's like, it's, we're so fucking tiny. Yeah. It's like, it's mind boggling to me and all of the things that have to make sense in order for us to survive and keep living. Yeah. Like, what do you mean make sense though? Cause well, so like, um, today, <laughs> that's I was... the big question <laughs> <laughs> today. I was driving on a really pretty street and there was like all of these trees hovering over. And it just reminded me of an acid trip that I've had of like trees folding in on me. And it brought me back to that headspace in a good way. Um, And I was just seeing how the trees, we've talked about this before on the show, how they look like um, big broccolis and they also look like lungs Mm -hmm. and we need trees to breathe. And the fact that they look like the thing that they also provide for in my body is just, it's, that's what I mean by all of these things that have to work Mm. minor scale in order for us to like be here in this time now for as little as we have on a massive scale. I don't know. Okay. I get that. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Yes. Did did I? Okay. Totally. I love seeing that like whoosh where you can see like a cell and the structure of it up into like the universe and the structure of it and how it's all fucking the same. Like when I, when I like fly and look down and like recently I flew over the Grand Canyon and like Wow. it looks like veins and arteries like uh-huh. the earth is a body we're and then we're little bodies and then bugs yep. are littler and yes 
And if you're in a plane, the earth, it looks like a DNA, like just a circle. Just like a, a molecule. Small, yeah, like an yeah. atom. Mm -hmm. So like, Kristen, <laughs> what do you make of the non-existence time? You believe in souls, obviously. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I believe in multiple incarnations, multiple lifetimes. I mean, I don't actually think I did. I grew up super fundamentalist Christian in a cult. Oh, so whoa, it's such it's right. such like a different experience to be where I am now. I actually, I made, my whole family disowned me for taking this path. Cause they think it's demonism. I mean, they don't even know what mm -hmm. it is. And I grew up in a, in a family structure where it's like, to me, to, for me to get the words and edgewise to explain like how beautiful the work that I do is like, my parents couldn't even allow me to get to that point. They're like, Oh no, Satanism. I'm like, actually don't work with Satan. I could work with Jesus oh and angels God. and you know, Panthers and all sorts of other guys mm -hmm. and death, right? Baby face death. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I didn't believe there was so much, I think that was so programmed into me for so long that I had to unlearn it all through doing sessions for people, because that's how I started to understand what is going on in this like spectrum of their lives and their, and their lifetimes. You know, I had like one woman come to me years ago and she was like, I have this issue with my mother-in-law and I don't know how to stop it. And I went and did a journey for her to do soul retrieval. We had to go to a previous lifetime to see where the mother-in-law was her sister and they had a suitor come and the family had set doilies on the table. It was oh. like somewhere, it felt like it was like France. Mm. It felt like it was like, um, when was uh, Drew Barrymore was that? I'm trying to remember what, oh, like what the movie was. Oh, like in that movie Ever After? Ever After. It looked like, like kind of like that. It was like, yeah. is that the Renaissance mm -hmm. period? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it was. I think so. It reminded me of that. And I just kept seeing that the sisters were fighting over the boy that the parents brought in to date one of the children. And so he had come to court them and there was this like big argument that they had over him and so it was always this like power play to get this particular person and you know to, to work for so many people and to see these different lifetimes like I had one guy had a physical injury he was um he was doing like he was like an exercise coach uh personal trainer and so he's like I can't raise my my one arm very high because I have this pain in my in my shoulder blade. And it was when I was doing in-person sessions and I was like, you know, it doesn't hurt to go see a physical thing. Usually I'm doing more of the soul, but we can lose soul parts for our body parts too. It's mm. kind of interesting to think of. Like if you get hit by a car and like you could lose the spirit of your left leg if it got hit oh. and then feel disconnected from that. I mean, I mm. lost a lot of soul parts for my legs in my lifetime and they feel different when they come back. I feel like energized and excited. Oh. And they used to have like these really like dead heavy legs. It just felt like they felt like belonged to dead people. And I had entities living in them. Whoa. Go figure, I had to clear those out because it was empty space. They're like, hey, I'll go hang out there in those, <laughs> those like unin uninhabited legs. So anyway, um, this particular person who came to see me, it turns out that he had been stabbed with a sword in multiple wars in the same spot. Oh. So I had to bring back the soul of him as a warrior from these two different lifetimes and he called me the next day and he was like, I'm doing exercises. I haven't been able to do my whole life. He's like, look, my arm's going up all the ways. Like I can do all these exercises with my clients that I couldn't show them before. Whoa. So he was able to shift that energy. And it's not always 
in this lifetime. So mm-hmm. I've begun to understand that there's so many different lifetimes that have journeyed into that place of like the in-between worlds. Yeah. And it, it really feels like it's like a waiting room for souls where okay. I've almost seen them like going into classrooms where they're learning their lessons, reflecting, choosing what lessons they want to have next so that they can then decide who, like where they want to come next to learn those lessons, what family, what mm. lineage, what soul family. Um, and I, I've just seen so many past lifetimes of like gr- being brutally murdered by my Christian family, <laughs> which I can laugh about now because I, I don't believe I'm going to die as a witch in this lifetime, but mm-hmm. I have been burned at the stake. I mean, I have this like one vision I always revisit where I'm, it's in Massachusetts. It's not Salem, but it's a neighboring town. It was after the Salem witch witch trials when there was like the reverberance of that movement. Mm -hmm. And I was in what feels like a Quaker church. It was like a one room church. And there was like a, I, I saw the pews and it was almost like a courthouse as well. And I was standing in front of my mother and my sister and my father, and they all decided I was going to die. And so it was in a a plant medicine ceremony that my guides were like, you contracted into coming through your mother's womb because of how Mm. much she hated you and wanted you dead. Like she had to actually experience like holding you and embodying you as like a karmic lesson. And and was that your mother in this lifetime, you mean? Yeah. Okay. And then, and then your family in this lifetime shunned you as well. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And then it happened again, basically like- it happened again um, as soon as I started, it was when I was writing that first book. And since then, mm-hmm. I've, I've written another book on soul retrieval because I just love soul retrieval so much mm-hmm. and it's so effective. And I want to share it with everyone because yeah. so few people know about it. And I think all therapists should be using soul retrieval. But anyway, oh. I'll get off my little soul retrieval soapbox because <laughs> I get so, so excited about it. Uh, but I had written my first book, which was the, a memoir, a quarter life memoir, and called Playing Karma. And <laughs> yeah. It was, I was trying to explain to my mom, I'm like writing my story. This is really cathartic. And I was trying to share with them before I went to go see them and someone else found out about the book. And then my mom freaked out and they got on the phone with me like three days before I was going to go in person and explain this to them. And they were like, don't ever come back again, unless you, you renounce shamanism and you move out of New York and live in our basement in Pennsylvania. And I was like, no. <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, I don't want to live in a dungeon underneath you, right? Like oh live in the basement God. where there's no windows, yeah. like locked in their dungeon. No. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> no. Um, oh my yeah, God. Boundaries. So like, <laughs> yeah. What are, so what are your personal feelings on your own future death being that you work with death? Are you more comfortable? Are you like, okay with it? Well, how do you feel? I feel pretty good about it. Like, and there's been like, I think we all have, I think 2020 and 2021 have been like really rough. And like, I don't Mm -hmm. think that it's abnormal for anyone to think about like not being in this world anymore on this plane. And there's always those moments where I'm like, oh, this is so hard. And my guides are like, oh, but you got to live into your nineties or whatever. They're like, no, you're doing this now. Because if you left, you'd have to come back and do the same things again. Mm -hmm. You have to do this. Um, So I think that there's, yeah, and it's just like, I I do a lot of like sacred plant medicine work. I studied at the Ayahuasca Foundation in the Amazon jungle in 2015. Like, uh, you know, those, those medicines really help us to lift the veil. And I think if you can go through those places where they, the medicines ask you to look at your deepest, darkest stuff, like, I think that's scarier than death. 
because I really do believe that death is like a release of what is in this experience. And then we're in, we're in that in-between world where we don't feel pain, where we can literally merge with the people's souls that we love and experience them in a way that doesn't have the bounds of the body. Mm. I mean, I think it's like such a great release. I think being a human is harder. Yeah. (laughs) So yes, I look forward to death, but not before it's time. Okay. I got okay. you. In okay. its time. Even if there's moments where I was like, I wish it were time, my guys, like it's not time. It's not it's time. time. <laughs> Sit back in your body. Yeah. Get over it. <laughs> yeah. Do you do you call yourself a witch? You know, it's like when I have my hair curly, it's so witch. I'm so <gasps> witch. Um, I can't even get away from being a witch. I, I think I've leaned more on the term shamanism because I think for a while, and that, now I'm over it, but I think there's like that condescending, like I got programmed in so much of like witch, witchery is bad, but I think mm-hmm. that there's also a spectrum. People can play with dark magic. People can invite dark magic in without even being aware of it. Um, but I think that there's so many wonderful witches who are not playing with that kind of magic. I see myself as like an earth magic witch, mm-hmm. um, pulling on the, the power animals and the trees and the water and source. And I've also been in places where there's people practicing witchcraft in a way that I see the entities hanging out in the corners of the room. They're like, oh, okay, they don't do good spells here. I can feel it. Um, so I think that there's a spectrum and I think I'm definitely on it. <laughs> I'm definitely a witch. Um, don't tell my parents. I won't. I'll be grounded forever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. But I love me my witches. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I think that there's something so powerful to being a woman. I think so many women like have the archetype within them mm. and it's just left unexplored because there's been so much fear. I mean, even me as someone embracing that, I'm also talking about how I was afraid of it. Yeah. Mm. Well, I mean, because your past life experience, I mean, if you were like burned for being a witch, obviously you would have hesitation yeah, you know, like, but then do I? Because I've done it so many times. I mean, I've like, I've been a witch so many lifetimes. Like I go back and I've died. I've died two other times I could see as a witch. And then there's one lifetime where I was a, I was a black slave on the plantation and my father would beat me and he was a white slave owner. That was your father. Oh, that was my father. Who's your father in this life? Oh, we have a lot. My family and I have like the deepest karma. There's one book that I love. If you've never heard of, um, why is it slipping my mind right now? Um, Destiny cards. They're amazing. What? Destiny cards. So they play with archetypes. It's between numerology and astrology. And there's a whole system. You can break down your birthday to an archetype. And then you can look up other people's birthday archetypes and then cross-reference your past lives with them. Experiences you've had. And I have so many good connections with everyone. And I went and looked at my parents and I was like, oh yeah, this book is not full Mm. filled with just good connections. I was able to understand oh, we learned a lot of really hard lessons together. Mm. But I have to say that my parents kicking me out of the family was the best thing that ever could have happened to me in retrospect, because I had so many soul parts that were too afraid to come back to me, right? Dissociated pieces of my power because they couldn't survive and exist in the same experience as my parents because of how afraid I was of my father. 
and like how scary and threatening he always was. It was like the soul parts were too afraid. If you're still connected to him, he's still going to treat you like this. Because even, you know, something I learned as a psychotherapist and like we can all relate is that when we do the personal work on ourselves and then go back into our family dynamics by going home for holidays mm -hmm. or going to live with them during COVID or whatever mm -hmm. that is, you experience that like you've grown out of the dynamics but everyone wants to pull you back into the dynamics yes. if they have not grown because that's the only way that they can relate and it's yep. like you, you you like throw a wrench into the system yes <laughs> it's like you come back and you're different and so it's like you go back and it's hard not to fall into some of those old roles mm -hmm. because you're pigeonholed by the the group dynamic the family mm. overarching dynamic yeah they're confused they're like wait why aren't you letting me abuse you anymore right why are you standing up for yourself yeah <laughs> who do you think why aren't you, you are? making time for me you set boundaries mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. why aren't you over giving to me to make me comfortable yep. yeah right <laughs> i think that's also a way that you can see how much work you've also done on yourself to compare mm -hmm. like oh okay. how am i reacting or not reacting yeah. uh, how am I holding my power mm -hmm. so I have a question about like reincarnation from your beliefs like do you think that do you get better each time you reincarnate as a soul of like figuring it out faster figuring out that like okay I'm here to learn something I have to just suck it up and do it or does it vary no, I wish I had the answer to that. Yeah. I feel like it's it's specific to each person in their journey because I do think that there's some people who are powerful beings that then go into hiding and suppress their gifts for a couple of lifetimes. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen that. I've seen that in like, there was a woman that I was living with for a number of years and she, we had this incredible, crazy experience where I like went into a past life experience. Can I share this one? Yes, please. Oh, it's so crazy. So I was meditating and I went to Egypt and I went into like the catacombs under the pyramids. And I remember like walking through and seeing all of these like little pods where there were beds set up, but you couldn't see the beds because there was fabric draped from the ceilings down around each one. And I could hear it was like, it's like high priestess, Isis cult sex magic that was happening. And I was one of those participants because that's the work that I, I, I've done and I do mm -hmm. <laughs> in this lifetime and previous ones. And there was like a experience where I was like on top of my partner at that time. And I could see it was his soul through his eyes and there was this like moment of doing like kundalini rising, like, you know, impairing sex magic work. And there's a hawk outside my window. So I love that. Oh. <laughs> so I got distracted. Um, <laughs> hawks have been coming nonstop. Cool. Um, but essentially after I saw that scene and was walking through to understand the context, I went into another room with this it was like, I saw my roommate in this lifetime, but she was Egyptian. She didn't have like blonde hair and blue eyes. She was completely different, but I knew it was her soul. Like we know that it's their soul just because we have that knowing just like in a dream, it's like weird, but we still know yeah. we're getting in a taxi or we're like about to get on the flight, even if it's like, doesn't seem like it. And uh, it was this moment where I saw my roommate in this lifetime, in her previous lifetime, and I was in the room and these two Roman guards or soldiers had my arms behind my back and were holding me there aggressively. And then they went up to my friend and they threatened us. And they turned to me and said, if you don't stop doing your magic, this is what's gonna happen to you. 
and they sliced her from the chin all the way down to the navel. And then they pulled out her, her entrails and put them in an urn in front of me. And then I disowned the cult and I left and I lived alongside the Nile and I had a very calm, very like underground life because I was afraid of my magic. I'm getting chills. It's like I had mm. to suppress it for lifetimes because I was afraid. And when this happened, it was like I had this, that vision of being in Egypt. And then I went into the kitchen and was like having a moment. It's like, wow, I had, I had a power retrieval happen. Like my soul from that lifetime, like gave me the gifts from that lifetime into this lifetime, Ooh. I was integrating it. I went to the kitchen and she's like, you look like you've had a moment. And I was like, I did have a moment. I'm, yeah. I'm having a moment. She's like, let's, let's sit and chat. So she pours some coffee and she was a medium and she was like, let me, let me touch your hands. And then we both went to that place in Egypt and we Ooh. both saw that past life happen. And then there was the song that was being sung and then I started singing it. I started chanting. And then she's like, how do you know that that's what I'm hearing? And I didn't know. I was just doing so it because it felt like I needed to, right? Oh. Uh -huh. So then I saw that lifetime and I told her about it. And I was like, can I bring you back your power? So I did a soul retrieval from that lifetime. And I blew it back into her. And her eyes, they, they freaking changed. Yeah. Her eyes. <laughs> just looked like all of a sudden they looked like the eyes of a doll. I can't even explain it. She oh. was very masculine. She had taken on a man's name because she was like really disconnected because she had been like hurt and so like wounded and raped in so many lifetimes as a woman. Mm -hmm. So in this lifetime, mm -hmm. she was so tough. And when I blew this energy back, her eyes just became like so feminine mm -hmm. and like just really beautiful. Like I said, like, like looked like a doll's eyes. And she said that whole week people were pulling her aside, be like, your eyes look so pretty. Did you put makeup on? What's, what's different about your eyes? And that was a moment where it was like, we just both had this big shift Whoa. because of that past life. So I, I think it, it depends on the soul and it depends on the experiences that we're living. And I think that no one's perfect. And sometimes we get overwhelmed mm -hmm. by all the like gifts that we have and mm -hmm. we might not be ready or we might not have surrounded ourselves with the people who can really accept and see them so we can tone it down for a minute. I mean, some people deny that gift. Mm -hmm. um, something I do want to share that doesn't have to do with this, but shares with, you know, how we, how we manage our gifts. I was doing, um, I work with a Navajo elder and he shared this really sacred ceremony with me called the lightning ceremony, a blackening ceremony. And so they take plants, they harvest plants from a place that has been struck by lightning Whoa. and then they burn them. And so I went to Arizona and was on the reservation and him and his daughter, like I had to get naked and like wash myself in these protective herbs and drink this whole bucket of herbs. And then we covered my body in sheep's fat sorry, vegans, <laughs> oh. the sheep's fat. And then they put the herbs over me and then I put clothes on and like, and then he did some songs and we opened the ceremony. I went to isolation for several days to then wash off the herbs and then oh. become renewed. And oh. it did make some shifts, but the thing was they had a couple deaths happen in the family. And so we were supposed to do a specific closing ceremony with medicine, which we could not do because in their tradition, you don't acknowledge the dead. You just don't because they're the dead and we're the living. And so there's like a split between and we don't play with that energy. We live our lives and we honor them by doing our thing. Mm. And so 
there was one thing that they needed to do. Oh, like they put this clay around my eyes for the things I should never have seen. Like, mm. you know, supernatural things I should never have seen. And then I went to that, the isolation was supposed to come out and then seal myself up with, um, with cactus medicine, grandfather. And we couldn't do it because these deaths in the family happened. So they couldn't touch mm-hmm. the medicine because they were too open and they didn't want to call in the spirits. Mm-hmm. So it, you know, a year goes by and it's COVID and I'm open because guess what? That medicine was really important to close up my container and I didn't have it. And that this is typically what happens with me when I go in to do like plant medicine initiations is a similar thing happened in the jungle um, several years before. But in this experience, I was guided by my guides to close the ceremony this past solstice. And so I had taken some of the lightning medicine. <laughs> Lost <laughs> Rachel. Yeah, <laughs> like, where, where'd she go? She froze for a while. There you are. There. <laughs> we're back I'm so scared like what the hell are we like back back you went to the under what did they call it the underground the dungeon I didn't, watch, <laughs> I didn't watch the stranger things oh the upside down yeah. the upside down that's what oh, it is the upside yeah. down world. <laughs> okay and you were talking about how like in the jungle this happened too where you couldn't close a ceremony I think something happened yeah like going into going into the jungle and having these experiences where the plants are like actually we're going to do something different with you where you have like a really intense experience that's not normal <laughs> and that those are how I'm initiated but for this experience I, I ended up going back to to it became very clear to me and one of my girlfriends who's a psychic in a channel she also <laughs> tapped into my energy she's like girl you're you're still open from your last ceremony and it's true it was like living in brooklyn i would f- hear people cursing at each other felt like someone threw a sword into my soul into like the black abyss and it was gone i'm like how do you know how to get that out of me <laughs> so i needed to go do the ceremony again i needed to purge a lot of stuff that was really intense i mean 2020 was intense for everyone my astrology was like getting pulverized. So I had my own personal experience. I know you two were in your Saturn's return yeah. with Pluto and Jupiter there. So that's fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like extra bonus Saturn return. Yes. Right? Um, but when I went to close the ceremony, something that I had been sitting with for so long for a year was I was working with my elder. And I think this this is a bigger lesson about trust yourself and trust your intuition. Cause even mm. the teachers don't always know your answers. Mm. And he basically was like, you can't work with ghosts anymore. And I'm like, I don't necessarily look to work with ghosts. I, I work with people. Sometimes there's ghosts and we got to do the work cause they need to cross over. They're just going to be, you know, hodgepodge of like the living and the dead hanging out together Mm -hmm. and we need to clear this energy and he was like no you can't touch this anymore if you've done this ceremonial work like your work with that work is done and that was hard for me to sit with Mm -hmm. especially because I'm seeing clients and then the truth is they have some things to cross over and it's like I don't do soul retrieval if there's an entity living in the place where the person's soul is supposed to be Mm -hmm. The soul parts are too afraid. They don't want to come back. They're like, get rid of the scary monster first, please. Yeah. So, you know, cross over that wonderful being and then bring in their power. And I sat with this through my ceremony and I had this like crazy dream. It was like so spirit. And I went to this house that was supposed to be my mother and my sister living with me, but they weren't there. And there was this woman that I saw who wanted to hug me. 
She's like, oh, you, you're so-and-so's daughter and like goes to hug me. And I remember I'm, I have the herbs on me. You can't touch me. We're not allowed to have contact because I'm in a ceremony. So I like had to tell the woman, I can't hug you. I'm in a ceremony. I'm going to go now. So I like wandered around, was looking at all these new rooms, found what was supposed to be my room. And next to it was like a hidden bathroom. And this bathroom had a fireplace in it. It just like looked like a little like Ooh. New York mansion inside. It was like really, really nice, but had been forgotten about. And then I noticed while I was in the bathroom, there was a ghost of a boy that came. And I was like, oh no, there's a ghost. And I'm not supposed to be working with ghosts, especially now that I'm in the ceremony right. again. Like you're not supposed to be here. And all of a sudden all these ghosts start swooping in. And I was like, oh boy. So I like called in my guides. And they came in, they helped me cross over the beings, they helped me cross over the boy. Mm. And my guide sat with me and they said, here's the lesson that we've been wanting to tell you is that there's so many humans, specifically those who identify and are more on like the feminine end of the spectrum because of the, the femininity allows us to see and receive and be tapped into. Mm -hmm. And the message was that there's so many humans who have this gift to see those who have passed and to cross them over, but they're so terrified of it that they block out their vision. Like they, they mm. disown their mm. gifts. And so my guides were like, too many people have done that. And now we have more ghosts than we should because they should have crossed over. But those medicine keepers mm. are no longer stepping up to the plate, right? So we can mm. choose in certain lifetimes if we want to do this work or not. And people, everyone has their choice to make. I can't judge that choice. They, they're on their own journey. But my guides are like, do not dare disown this gift. Okay. You were given this for a reason. Your elder comes from a different lineage. Honor his lineage, but you have to honor yours. Mm. And so I was able, I got chills again. I did too. I was able to that. connect with my past life where I was taught by two women in the community, in like a shamanic indigenous community in this previous lifetime where I was reared and given the gift through them. And so that soul part came back and was like, I already know what to do, even though you've been doing it, but you didn't actually have like the teachers like you did in this previous lifetime. Mm -hmm. So that was retrieved to me. And the message was trust yourself. Mm. Your elder didn't know this. And like, that's not his gift. So how would he know it? So honor this gift, don't disown it. And there's a lot, and there's witches out there who need to know this, yeah. that if you have that gift, don't be afraid of it because that is so divine. I mean, to be the bridge between the worlds is one of the most rewarding experiences I've ever had. And you just, if you just need a mentor and also your spirit guides can help you. And mm -hmm. I work with Jesus. Jesus is so non-threatening and like the beings love him. Some of them don't know who he is. Some of them are pre-Jesus, um, but <laughs> okay. most of them, most of the ones Before I've encountered, time. right? And like to, to have that perspective, like through journeying, they're like, I don't know who this guy is. Like, Who's what this do Jesus do guy him? everyone's talking about? Yeah, but, but, but certain ones do recognize him and like fall into pieces at his feet and cry and are like, I don't want to be here. I'm stuck. Whoa. And they act scary because they are scared. Mm, mm. I, so many times they're just suffering there's a story there yeah I'm like wondering if like I'm I don't know I'm resonating with what you're saying and feeling like I have some kind of connection to death because I mean I my mystery illness was losing the ability to see because my retina swelled so big that my eyes were like fluid opaque water and they have no idea why that happened like <laughs> 
So I wanted to ask you about that because yeah. I had a really weird eye thing happen with one of my spiritual awakenings. And I wanted to ask you, like, what do you think the lesson was? Because you're talking about your gift. You're talking about death. You're talking about this like yeah. unexplained eye thing. Like, and what eye was it? Both. Which eye? Both. Both. I couldn't like do anything like as, you know, obviously, because I wasn't adjusted to being differently abled. Like I couldn't, you know, drive or text or like. I even, it was hard to eat because I used to eat meat back then. And I like undercooked food because I couldn't really see. Um, Well, I think, I think the lesson was just some sort of like rite of passage possibly to some sort of like intuition increase because the third eye, I think. I know, look at your hat. I know, I'm wearing our (laughs) third eye hat. (laughs) Listeners, like you've got that third eye, like come on now. (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, something I have realized since then is like, I literally have infinite ideas. I will never run out of ideas. I have the most abundance of creative ideas and visions. And I just like see shit and we create it. And like, um, then the thing I was going to say also is like, after my sexual assault, I definitely had a death that day and a dissociation and left my body. And like, I had some body work done after that with a somatic therapist and my eyes looked way brighter after Mm. like my eyes specifically look different. Oh. And then when Leah and I went to a seance after the trauma, I told this man I had never met because we were paired up to do psychic practices, like the name of his mom, the color of her carpet and her type of car and where she lived. Like, I feel like, and she was dead. Like maybe there, maybe I do have more of a connection to death. So what I was going to ask is how do listeners and maybe me like practice more if we are supposed to be paying more attention to these gifts? I think the first thing is trusting the gut reaction. Cause I think there's so much of like, oh no, that that's not me or, oh, that can't be real. And like, ask questions. Like ask questions to who? To, to self, to like, self. you know, and it's, I always like saying like, work with a spirit guide that, you know, like, cause you can also call in things that like, you don't actually need to talk to and that like, aren't, aren't plugged into source that I, th- I think that's how I view it is like some beings that are not supposed to be here are here because they haven't crossed over. So you can call in hungry ghosts that then kind of like oh. hook on to your energy field mm-hmm. And so it is, it is hard. And like, I came back from the jungle and I would, I, I was driving a car past a graveyard and like mass amounts of spirits were like following me. And we oh got gosh. to a point where I was like, spirit, they don't pay my bills. Yeah, I'm here to work with the living. And if they're involved, I will totally help cross them over. But like, I can't, I don't think I could handle going to the graveyard because of like, they all see me. They're like, Hey, 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 Hey. And like, once you uh-huh. have like hundreds of them, you're like, it's like a, pseudo invisible zombie horde (laughs) yes i'm envisioning like it's like scooby-doo-esque these like spirits chasing your van or something yeah i love (laughs) scooby-doo i had a crush on shaggy isn't it so oh i get it i get it yeah (laughs) these stoner boys i don't know totally yeah (laughs) and animated guys are less threatening Totally. totally yeah especially they don't have the 3d-ness yeah the threatening they're always 3D. hanging out with a dog and looking for ghosts yeah 
that would be your well i think that's really interesting that you said that rachel because i would totally wanted to ask you about your eye thing Um, and i'm glad that you brought it up because i had this really weird i keep hearing about your eye experience i'm like man i had such a weird eye experience too um a couple years ago I was living in Queens. I was like in a place where my astrology was like a little rough. Like I couldn't find like a stable home. So I was like in sublet to sublet trying to like figure it out. And I ended up living in this, in this two-story house. And, you know, you take, take a subletter's room and you like, you meet the subletter, you don't meet their roommates. And so I ended up living with this guy who apparently was doing heroin. And I didn't know that because he had his own private entrance. He had his own room. And I remember like him and I were cool. We watched Game of Thrones together Mm -hmm. twice. And he always looked like he wanted to open up. And then he'd get really weird and triggered. And he'd like run upstairs Mm -hmm. to his room. And Mm -hmm. it was a couple times because I only lived there for a month and a half. But there was a moment where I was like walking home. You know, it was dark out. I'm on the phone with my girlfriend. And I just, my heart like crunches up my, my throat crunches up my stomach. And I told her, I was like, I have, I think I have to get off the phone because I feel like I'm going to die. What? And she's like, well, that's weird. You should definitely get off the phone if you, if you feel like you're going to die. So I got off the phone. I went into the house and he was playing death metal music, which he had done before. He usually turns it off by 11. I'm like, okay, I can deal with a little death metal (sighs) for a minute. But then I hear like this thump. And then I'm like, this doesn't feel right. And I was going to go outside to, to make the rest of the phone call. And I was like, I have to sit right here now. I cannot leave. And then I heard this other person's voice yelling. And I was like, something's wrong. So I went upstairs. I knocked. I said, what's going on? Is everything okay? This, the friend opened the door. My roommate was on the floor with a blue face. <sighs> and he had been deprived of oxygen. And I ran and got my phone, called 911 and gave him CPR because the other friend, I didn't even realize they were, they were, you know, doing heroin. Uh And I just walked in at the moment that this was happening. So there was a moment where I was giving my roommate CPR and I could see him in my mind's eye. He left his body was standing behind me. Mm. He's like, am I dying? What's happening? And I was like, oh boy, I think he just did. So I'm just, I'm keep going because at this point you're like, okay, I got to keep going. So I kept going. The EMTs came. I hated it because they kind of just kicked him. And they're like, oh, he's a goner. And I'm like, no, you don't do that. So they finally, they're like, listen, ma'am, you're crying. You're a hot mess. Like, you should step out. So I did. I went to the backyard. They collected him and took him away. So I come back in and he's gone. It's like, I don't even know where he is. His phone is there. So it was the other person's phone. So I'm like, well, I need to find out where this person went. So I'm like in the backyard. I call my girlfriend. I said, my roommate just died, I think. I'm not sure. Then his soul came. It was so it's so weird because I didn't understand it initially. But he was there in the room and he had these two white balls. They were they were opiate pills that they had crushed up. Yeah. But the opiate pills were white faces with fangs and they were like they're all like upset and they were like hanging out around his head so like I know that you can pull people out of comas if you do soul retrieval because soul loss and like if you get into a coma it's believed in the shamanic lens that the person is like now in between worlds because so much of their soul dissociated that like you need your soul in your body at least that much to, right. to animate you and because we lose soul pieces, we don't lose like the whole thing at once. Right. Unless you're in a coma, your, your, your soul can get scared out of the body. And so I was trying to do soul retrieval to bring him back. And his, 
his energy changed. All of a sudden he was like so much happier and lighter. And he was like, you cleared my childhood wounds. Why I feel like more like myself, but he wasn't, he was still in like a spirit energy form. And so I, I was super freaked out. I ended up sleeping at a place in hell's kitchen with my other roommate who came home and i was like i just want to let you know our roommate might have just died i'm not sure though so i ended up going to my friend's office the next day and calling like the corridor i calling the hospitals i don't know how to spell my roommate's Mm -hmm. last name i can identify him through this and finally located him went to go see him at the hospital and i was in the room alone with him and his eyes were fluttering and he seemed animated enough his skin was back to like a normal color and i put my hand on his leg And it's just, I I was asking spirit, like, what's going on? Because I don't know. And my guides told me that he went without oxygen for too long. So the left and right hemispheres of his brain could no longer communicate. And they said he can't come back from this because his body deteriorated because of the oxygen loss for this amount of time. He's going to be a vegetable. And... Mm that's not fun. So that was the message I was getting. A doctor comes in and I I just, I have nothing to lose. I'm like, Hey, sir, from my own, like from, from my intake of just whatever I just felt, this is what I got. And the guy was like, we'll be able to confirm that within minutes. He's like, we did all these tests and yeah, we don't think that he's going to make it. He's going to be a vegetable. The left and right sides of the brain aren't communicating. And yeah, so he was just like, that's actually pretty accurate. And, And so I ended up having like call his his dad who he had been estranged mm-hmm. from and you know I was like mm-hmm. in, in his phone like I, I felt like I was the responsible person to be like someone needs to let their his parents know and what was so mm-hmm. interesting is it was at this time and he was he was hooked up to machines he was in between worlds his soul was not fully in his body he was visiting me and hanging out and I was in the shower and all of a sudden I must have scratched my cornea I don't know how I was showering all of a sudden they went blind in my left eye. I couldn't open it and it was inflamed and it was like, I couldn't even get my eye like lid open enough. It was just like, mm. I was blind in my yeah. one eye. And it was crazy because he had all of these friends coming and his mother like didn't want to take him off of life support. And he was coming to me and saying, tell my mom to take me off of life support. I don't want to be here anymore. He was like, this is an accident. I never meant to kill myself. This was not suicide. Can you tell my mom I love her and she needs to let me go? Mm. And at that point, I was like, I don't know. And I asked his mother, like, I think I'm channeling your son. Can I give you a message? No, 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 no. So she couldn't handle it. Mm. So the eye was just like so Mm. bad. It was not getting better because it had to do with this experience, which I later found out, or at least through my guides shared that with me, uh, the perspective. But it wasn't until he had two friends that came into the apartment to help take his stuff away and take it to his mother and do all the things. Mm -hmm. And there was that 10 day window before he was unplugged and went off of life support and died pretty much immediately. And he came, oh, he's here now. Hi. Oh my Hi, Mark. I feel him. He, he comes around when I talk about it. I get chills. Hey. Anyway, so um, he's like, it's okay. You can tell my story. Oh. Okay. I'm already telling it. So what Holy. happened was his friend came and they just started saying like, Mark has a message. And I just started saying stuff from what Mark was saying. And my eyes started to like open. And it started to like get better as I was doing this. And I remember like walking up the stairs and the guy said something and I like yelled a joke 
back to him from like what Mark was saying, the, the, my roommate who crossed. Um, and it, my eye was healing. And then there was another woman who came to the house who had a crush on him. And she was like, oh my God, it feels so good in his room. His room feels so light. And I was like, oh, I cleared his room. Like, it's all good now. There was a lot of fear and anxiety. A lot of it was mine. So she's like, oh my God, I feel it. She's like, I feel better. She's like, I'm going to take over his room and live with his roommate because she's going to be upset when she comes back from traveling. So she, we had this moment. She's like, I just wish I knew this answer. I just knew, wish I knew this answer from Mark. And Mark is like, touching me being like tell wow. her this tell her that and so she got a couple questions in and I just said listen I believe mm. I've been channeling your friend if you'd like to know he's already mm. answered your questions please don't ask another one let me go back to the ones that he already answered and as I told her the eye completely healed oh and I had this moment where I was asking like why did this happen and my guide said it was because you yeah. were not being seen <laughs> for being able to see yeah. mm. because initially his mother didn't want to hear it. And then my other mm. roommate who was also a subletter just was like, Oh, this is bullshit. What you mm. see isn't real. Like he's not coming back from the dead. Like this is nothing. Like you, your experience is nothing. And I'm like, actually, I'm pretty sure that yeah. this is, I think is related. And then it like miraculously, my, I was fine. <laughs> It's like that second channeling is like my energy had gotten blocked up because his mother didn't want to hear it and my roommate didn't want to hear it. I triggered mm. another friend whose whose parent had died previously. So mm. I told them about this and they got really triggered. Mm. So it's like the eye was just getting worse. Oh my God. But not being able to see because I wasn't being seen for being able to see until I was seen mm -hmm. for seeing. Mm -hmm. Oh. Wow. And then we crossed him over. And now when he comes, it's like, it's not scary anymore. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I almost like could cry when you noticed he was there. I don't know yeah. why. Oh I just felt like I could cry. Somewhere right over there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Holy yeah. I mean, shit. he was like grabbing my leg and shaking it and being like, tell my mom this. He was trying to get me to touch her leg. Oh. And I'm like, I can't touch this woman. Like, I don't, she doesn't want this. <laughs> it's not appropriate in the physical world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And not, not everyone can handle this. Yeah. Not everyone is ready and can accept. Yeah. <clears throat> And that's a hard one because it's like as as someone who sees like you want to be able to support and let people know but yeah the world we live in <laughs> well it's making me think again just about my stuff and like I wonder if part of it was also some sort of lesson in like me leaning on others I think that was a big lesson in it because I was only just beginning to learn how to ask for help and with the I thing, I had to ask for help. I had to depend on other adults every day. Like I couldn't get through the day without help. Um, and that was a block and a barrier for me of being like staunchly independent and a, ch and a childhood wound. So I think it was totally meant to be. And, and also for like gratitude of my abilities, both spiritual and physical able-bodied you know with all the senses like once I got it back to have this lasting gratitude for it how long was it when you couldn't use about your eyesight about a month and a half or two months yeah which felt like so long a fortnight <laughs> yeah a fortnight <laughs> a fortnight <laughs> <laughs> this witch I've had friends who have 
crossed. And I do believe that when I tell stories of them, I can like feel them. Mm. So this is validating for me that I'm like, I probably am. Well, they love to be honored and talked about mm-hmm. in a lot of cases. I mean, my, my roommate had a moment with it where he was embarrassed and he was like, I hate that you're telling this story. And now he feels mm-hmm. at peace with it. Um, mm-hmm. But it's like, anytime you, it's like, you know, when you're, like, you're texting someone then they text you first, you're thinking about them and they call, yes, it's like, yes. but they're not limited to bodies and egos. So they're just like, oh, I'm here. Right, right. it's still energy. And- yeah, I had that happen with my aunt who wanted to tell me, and she's like, she's, my mom hates her. She's my like uncle's second wife who's totally a witch. I told her that oh. the other day and she's, she's like the one family <laughs> member I still talk to. Yeah. And she was telling me about how her mother died and how she, she hasn't been able to get over it. And she wanted to process it with me because she went to a medium and the medium channeled messages. And well, first of all, I'm like, well, part of you died too. So we got to do a soul retrieval for the pieces mm-hmm. that died with your mom. Cause we can exchange soul parts mm-hmm. with people. And so if mm-hmm. you've experienced like a piece of you died when your friend died, you might actually have a soul part that left with them. At least mm-hmm. I, I found that to be pretty common. And as soon as she started talking about her, she talked about her. And then her mother was there just like talking to me. And I'm like, okay, like I can't even hear about it. Anyone brings up someone who's like passed and then they're like hanging out in the room with me. I'm like, you're like stuck in the middle. It's kind of fun. It's fun to be in that place. I mean, I don't think I'm crazy anymore. Yeah, you should feel such a good attitude about it. It's kind of fun. Yeah. Oh, I just have one more burning question before we wrap up. Cause I know we've like been chatting for a long time. It's just, I could, yeah, this has been so fun. Yeah. Talk to you all day. <laughs> um, but I do want to know your thoughts on the link that sex has to all of this, because having this sex work type background and I feel very linked with sex and my power and my gifts, like what, what's your, what do you see with sex and I guess the spiritual or the magic there's so many things to that. And I don't know why the word vulnerability is like come into, like I just mm-hmm. see it. I'm like, you got to talk about vulnerability now. I think there's mm-hmm. something really vulnerable to bearing all to sharing and to merging with someone. It's like that experience or even playing with the energy. It doesn't have to be actual sexual intercourse, but to be able to go to those places with people that are so private that people don't usually share and to be seen because mm. I think there's a way that you can be with people and not really see them and then people are always like you're staring into my soul like it's so intense because they feel that connection so I think that there's something to bearing all and going into that place of vulnerability and also like we're naked when we come out of the womb it's like when we connect with the feminine if we're talking about like the masculine and the feminine which is within all of us mm-hmm. right in that spectrum When those pieces come together, I think that there's like this beautiful energy that happens where it's almost like, (laughs) I've heard in my psychology training that men like sex because it reminds them of going back to the womb because it brings them back, like literally into the womb space and into like the divine feminine container and that Mm -hmm. men don't realize it, but they're seeking that oneness before there was separation out of the womb. So I think that there's like a vulnerability to it. Mm. Also, it's like so scorpionic, like sex, transformation, death, you know, uh, reproduction. Right, exactly. Mm. It's like, it's like all the same 
territory death where we is can, like, birth the yes. baby face yeah yes. right baby. death with his baby face <laughs> i'm sure death had sex in his time right <laughs> yeah death was funny hot yeah bad boy <laughs> right um and there, there was another thing that came to mind i think i lost it rebirth mm. <laughs> so, vulnerability you got it it'll come back yeah nakedness and like rawness and vulnerability and yeah, I think it's that rawness. And I think that something that comes in, at least I've experienced this, and it doesn't have to like be in that intimate space with people. I think that there's something that people bring into the sex realm, which is power play. Mm-hmm. And I think it goes back to, are you willing to open up and share your power? Are you going to take the power and being that role to be the dominant one? Are you going to give your power away? I think that there's a dynamic that you can see that's actually indicative of something deeper. So I feel like the, the, cause I see it more as like play therapy. It's like, we're playing to see what comes up. And sometimes it goes to sex because there's something there about going into that vulnerability and also working mm. with the theme of power. And so I like to see like what's going on with this person, what's coming up. And because I, I can see those other realms and in, in some capacity start to see like, oh, this person has an issue with their primary caregiver where there there's actually a block to fully receiving love. Like they can't be mm-hmm. that vulnerable. You see if like you fully look at them or embrace them, they can't do it because there's a piece that's missing. So I think using that container and the place to go deep brings this opportunity to see like what's a little bit off and how can we turn those dials in mm-hmm. if that makes sense mm-hmm. it just it lets you see more of a person in like a vulnerable life. yeah yeah I think that that does hit it that's a really interesting perspective too oh and the other thing yeah. I was gonna say is I totally believe in sex magic and tantra and I love having sex visions when you do like when you play with that energy, it like takes you to another realm. And I do believe that there's something so divine and so alchemical about being able to use the polarities again within all of us, but to bring them over in together in that container, like you don't even have to physically be up against someone to generate a field. Mm-hmm. And I love doing this work with women too. I remember like doing healing work with men and women, you get two women together that are like already channeling source and then so much energy just comes through to heal the client because it's like, you're bringing in those channels. And so I think that there's something really magical about bringing two together and then the container of like what alchemical transformation can come like the rising of the kundalini Mm -hmm. right the serpents coming from their dormant place because of that you know life force coming through that we create with our sexuality oh love it yes just kiss (laughs) (laughs) this has been so much fun and i i truly feel like we could keep talking thank you so much for coming on um wait reach do you have cards nearby because i don't oh shit neither do i i have cards okay (gasps) would you yes would you close it out for us with a reading maybe something for my gosh Thank you for being prepared. And we were yeah, not. Yeah, I also have my drum here too. Cause I was like, I don't know if I want a drum or if I want to oh, do Oh, cool. I'm into Whatever it. you feel, whatever feels right. Ooh. 
very Let me green. Pull one the card because okay. it pops two up fell out of my lap. Oh, whoa. <laughs> um, and then I'll do whoa. a quick drum thing because usually messages come through. We'll just channel one for the collective real quick. Amazing. Um, yes. Thank you, Kristen. Yeah. So really the two cute. cards that I pulled are Lady, Enjoy Growth and Reap Rewards. Mm -hmm. oh, and it's a wonderful feminine energy. She's got some, looks like dread. She's standing under an apple tree. She's got mm -hmm. an apple open. She just looks boss. She's <laughs> like, I grew this apple. I'm going to eat the rewards and the fruits of my labor. Yeah. Um, and the medicine, right? Both of them are green. Whoa, Look. totally green. And it's the masculine and the feminine. Oh my God. Right? Whoa. It's so, like a green drum. <laughs> themed dude and a green themed Let's go. lady. <laughs> Yeah, but the dude is an angel, but they're both like, I feel like they're both on the spectrum of being a little androgynous. Yes, yeah, um, definitely. So the medicine guardian is the one that appears to be a sexy girlish boy. Yum, yum, yum. So cute. Yes. Um, medicine guardian, be open to healing information and lady enjoy growth and reap rewards. They're like, just get the drum. That's <laughs> I'm like, is there a message more in that? They're like, just get the drum. <sighs> all right. So hopefully this isn't too loud for all of you, but. Awesome. That was so clear and beautiful. So as soon as I drummed, a wolf came and the wolf had human arms that came out. And the wolf said that the message was, we all have an opportunity always and multiple times in our life because it's like a spiral and we keep coming back to those moments where there's like the many deaths <laughs> and the rebirths. And he had the apple that the lady in the card who has the enjoy enjoy growth and reap rewards. He had the apple that was open that has those seeds in there. And he grabbed the apple and he showed me the seeds. And he said, you are the apple, meaning like all of us, human beings, we are the apple, but within us is contained the seeds, which are our DNA to be reborn and to replenish. And it was this message about, and he took out the seeds and he said, anytime you need to be reborn, like you have endless opportunities because you are seeding your own fruit. Mm. Like you can take this seed and you can rebirth yourself. Almost like the apple is the all apple, right? It's like we can come back to be reborn as the apple once we go through whatever cycle we need to of death and decay. But he kept just bringing back like, the message for everyone is take the seeds. Like you already have them inside of you. They already have the divine information and knowledge of you being you and your star seedness. And you can plant that to be reborn into whatever's next. And it's going to be like the next version, the next iteration of who you truly are. Cause you already mm. have it. It's already inside of you. It's genetically programmed. You've got it. Thank you so much. That so good. Awesome reading. I totally understood that. Thank you for that. having me. Oh my gosh. Thank <laughs> you for coming on. Such a blast. Oh, I don't want to end, but I know we'll see you again. Yeah. And where yes. can listeners see you or find you? Listeners can find me on my website or on Instagram at the shamanatrix. And my website is 
theshamanatrix.com. And I have lots of tools on soul retrieval. I have a free inner child journey that I take you on and so many wonderful tools to help you get your power back because come on now, it's 2021. It's time to reclaim all that you are because I really believe that on the other side of this pandemic, we are being reborn, right? Mm -hmm. The seeds from the apple. How can you rebirth yourself? Well, I have some tools. So I hope you visit me there. Oh, beautiful. And let's wrap it up with a basic blessing, something we're each grateful for. I mean, I'm so grateful for my vision. I'm so grateful. I get to see the beauty in pretty much all things. I feel like on top of physically being able to see, I am able to see beauty, which is an extra gift Mm. that I am grateful for. Mm. Hell yeah. Ooh, my basic blessing. I am grateful for all of my deaths and rebirths and that I'm still here in this realm, in this body, on the other side of all of it. I'm grateful you're here too. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> you're awesome. <laughs> um, and I'm grateful, grateful for life. Life is the word that comes to mind. Just like looking outside, seeing the sun setting on the Hudson River Valley and just like having skin and bones and being alive and like being able to eat an apple and taste it and have sex and, you know, have the human experience. It's hard sometimes, but to have those moments of gratitude for, it's just, I'm in awe of life and that we all got to choose to be here now and experience it together in this wacky experience of life at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely agree with that. They say witches.